Christians talk about the Holy Spirit, is it more proper to say that the Holy Spirit is an it or a person, a force, or the living presence of God among us? We're going to be talking with Jack Levison, who teaches at Perkins School of Theology and has done much work on the Holy Spirit on Good God. Stay tuned. Welcome to Good God, conversations that matter about faith and public life. I'm your host, George Mason, and I'm delighted to welcome to the program today, Dr. Jack Levison. Jack, welcome. Hi, George. Glad to have you here. <laughs> Great to Jack be here. Jack is the William Power uh, Professor of Old Testament Interpretation <laughs> and Hebrew Bible at Perkins School of Theology right. at SMU. Right, more or less. Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, okay. I like well, to think I'm just in the power chair. Aha, uh -huh. very nice, okay, yes. Well, and I understand, well, and we're gonna talk about power today yeah. because we're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so, yeah. nice segue, Jack. <laughs> Thank That's you. really good. Thank I, you. I do wanna say also what a privilege it is that uh, you and your wife, Priscilla Pope Levison, uh, are uh, very active in our congregation um, and we're delighted about the ways that you teach and encourage people and and Priscilla also uh, singing in the choir now and yes. uh, it's it's a delightful thing she works at SMU at Perkins also yeah and so uh, it's it's great to have you here yeah Priscilla right down the hall that's so right we're, we're yeah. loving being here we were terrific. the hanging in the greens the other night was really lovely terrific thank you well so we want to spend this episode talking about your work yeah. academically and for the sake of the church on the Holy Spirit yeah a subject that uh, you've written about five books on already and still more to come. Uh, the ones I have in my lap here today, The Holy Spirit Before Christianity, uh, which is something we'll get to talking about in just a moment. This is uh, a, really a more academic book, I would say, uh, and has some interesting insights about um, uh, what you've learned in your study about where yeah. the concept of the Spirit comes uh, before Christianity. And then you extend that a bit through this book. Now I have an advanced copy. It's coming out uh, about the time we'll release this, uh, um, this conversation, this program. It's called A Boundless God. Yeah. And it is also about the Holy Spirit according to the Old Testament. Yeah. And I know you have a follow-up book uh, that will be The Unconventional God yeah. uh, about the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Yes, right? exactly. It, so yeah. there's lots to talk about the, about, about the Holy Spirit. But let's begin at a simple place. Sure. And that is to say... Is there a simple place when it comes to the Spirit? Go ahead, George. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I think probably... Uh, Good, you find it. <laughs> probably saying anything about the Holy Spirit, the first thing you should be able to say is, I don't know. That's right. Right, yes. yes. Is what one, one uh, theologian called the shy member of the Trinity. Yeah, right. You know, so uh, in, in a sense, if we, if we know too much about the Holy Spirit, we probably are being presumptuous. Agreed. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, I, I think a lot of people, Christians mm -hmm. particularly, know the big moment of the coming of the Holy Spirit right. at Pentecost. And so this idea of the Spirit, um, we, we get a sense of the Spirit's role in Jesus' life, of course, but uh, the big moment seems to be the coming upon the church at Pentecost. And 
many people seem to think that um, you know somehow God was one thing before uh, that moment and uh, became something else after that moment. Yeah. Uh, which is why your work in the Hebrew Bible is so important in all of this. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the background, the origins of the, the Spirit in the mind and heart of uh, the Hebrew people and how it comes to us uh, as Christians after. Yeah, well the first thing, I, I think, I don't have this planned, but I'm going to go through it anyway. I think yeah. there are three misconceptions that Christians have. So okay. I, let me start with misconceptions sure, that's about the Spirit in the Old Testament. All right. The first is that the Spirit was an intermittent presence, and now with Christians we have it all the time. Ah, okay. I don't think, I think when you read your Bible, when you read your Old Testament, you know that's not true. Right. The Spirit was very much present and for whole lives. Yes. So that's not true. Okay. Um, the second is that somehow in the period before Jesus came, the Spirit had withdrawn and was absent. So you, you, know, you read in the curriculum, right, mm -hmm. the silent era, yes. or the 400 intertestamental years yes. where the Spirit was gone. That's not true, right. because if you study the Jewish literature, there's a ton of reference to the Spirit mm -hmm. in the Jewish literature. And the third thing is, Christians, I think, will say, well, the Spirit was there in the Old Testament, but it wasn't a person becomes a person in the New Testament. Yes. So you have these three misconceptions that from the get-go, I think, make people say, I don't really need the Old Testament. I've got Pentecost, I've got Paul, that's all I really need. Yes. You know, yes. it was intermittent, it wasn't a person, right. and I forget the third one already. Oh, there was silent years. <laughs> silent years, okay, but, but the, every, Word studies don't do everything, right? I mean, you know, sometimes we as preachers love to get into uh, the word. Don't in disabuse Hebrew would be any. This. No one out there can listen to this right now because George does do word studies. I do I do? Once but. you've done them, you can then say, "Well, they don't do everything." I, I, well, but that's, nonetheless, but it's true, right? It's it absolutely is true, of course it's true. We, we can. We, <laughs> They, they mean something, but they don't mean everything. Exactly. They mean something, but not so everything. So where are you going with that? Where I'm we? going is, let's talk about the absolute preponderance in the Old Testament of the word ruach yeah. in Hebrew. And the fact that it dwarfs every other significant um, word in, in Old Testament literature, yeah. and yet we still have this idea I know. Uh, that, that the Spirit is intermittent or not fully present at all times and all that sort of thing. So ruach is the word that means spirit, wind, or breath, right? Or all three combined. Or all three combined. And of course Hebrew is a fairly spare language, so a, a lot of times one word suffices, you have to understand context and that yeah. kind of thing. But it, this takes us back to the very beginning of creation in the, in the book of Genesis and then on yeah. forward. So talk about Genesis and the significance of the Spirit there. Yeah, well Genesis 1, right away, you know, yeah. in verse 2, mm -hmm. the, the, it's however you translate it, and mm -hmm. Bible translations differ. So you have Ruach Elohim, yes. and so the New International Version says, Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters, right. with a capital S. Yes. The New Revised Standard Version said, a wind from God yes. hovered over the waters. So right, like in Word 17 <laughs> in the Hebrew, right. we say, okay, is this a wind? Is this Spirit with a capital S? Yes. Is this a breath? Because immediately God starts to speak, right? Yes. And God said, and God said, and it was, mm -hmm. and it was. Mm -hmm. So which is it? Wind, spirit, breath. Yes. Yes. Yeah, right. exactly. Yes. It's like in the sermon you said, wait for it. Wait for it. 
And that was it. That was it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is spirit, wind, and breath yes. hovering over. So whereas we in English, we in English have to decide, is that spirit with a capital S in Genesis 1? Mm -hmm. Is it spirit with a small s? Is it breath or is it wind? In Hebrew, they didn't have to do that. Um, I would suggest that my shoulders are like English. Uh -huh. uh, kind of narrow shoulders. Your uh, quarterback shoulders are like Hebrew. Uh -huh. Your shoulders can bear the weight of ruach. Okay. Hebrew's powerful big shoulders, linguistically okay. ruach. In English, not so much. In English, you have to make the decision. Uh -huh. So right away, over the creation, not in hearts, not in individuals, over this, this soupy cosmos, right. the spirit breath wind is hovering. Okay, so what's interesting about this is a lot of times I think people associate the role of the spirit with breaking things up, with, uh, you know, kind of um, untangling things that have been knotted, uh, with a kind of uh, a wild and uncontrollable uh, sort of experience. And yet there in Genesis, it is actually the ordering presence of exactly. God over the chaos. Yeah. So how do we have both things be true about the spirit? Well, that's a wonderful question. Um, when we're our truest selves, we're our freest selves, Yes. right? Yes. You know, you preach best when you're incredibly well prepared and also incredibly receptive to the moment, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, a ballet, mm -hmm. a football player, when you mm -hmm. see someone stretch out and keep their feet in the end zone mm -hmm. and make a catch with one hand, they're incredibly disciplined ah, and they're incredibly free. Ah, and it seems to me that is the spirit. So, oh, you know, that. if you're learning to yes. dance, you're not quite there. Yes. If you're trying to be ecstatic, you're not quite there. If you're trying to have a prayer life, you're getting there. Yes. But the spirit is when all of this comes together and you see them stretch out with their feet in and then they fall over and you think, oh my gosh, that was a beautiful reception. Okay. Right? Beautiful. I or, love that. or music. Yes. You know, you hear a piece of music and you think, you're transported, that's because spirit has combined extraordinary discipline with extraordinary freedom at that moment. Oh, I love that. So there's, it, there's not a, it, it's sort of like maybe also in music, say, mm -hmm. um, you can't really improvise unless you know the scales and unless you're disciplined exactly. enough to know um, the, 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 the standards, say, of a, a, a piece, and then you can move off of that. Uh, it's both of those things at the same time. Mm -hmm. I love that. Great. Yeah. Now you have, um, you make the case that we probably overdo it with capitalizing the spirit uh, with an S. I get in trouble for making that case. Yeah. Ah, we love good trouble on this yeah. show. So okay, let's talk about With a capital T. Yes, with <laughs> capital, oh, very good. Here we are in River City. Okay, <laughs> yes. Uh, but what's your point? What, what would you like us to learn about uh, having a little more discipline of letting the spirit be the spirit with a lowercase s. Yeah. 
I think we tend to dichotomize. We love to bifurcate. There's the liberal and there's the conservative. There's yeah. the Republican, there's the Democrat, there's the divine, there's the human. And what yeah. does Jesus do? Jesus somehow combines these two spheres, but we know they're still separate. Uh -huh. There's heaven and there's earth, right? Okay. There's pastor, there's right. clergy, and there's laity. Right, right. And Ruach does not allow that dichotomy. Okay where my breath ends and the divine spirit begins, we don't know. Uh -huh. And so in the, in the Old Testament especially, Job will talk about the ruach in me and my integrity. Mm -hmm. Or at the Exodus, right? Mm -hmm. You have the story of the Exodus and God, it's the blast, and it's the word blast is really ruach, the blast of God's nostrils blows into the water and the waters come open. Is that a wind? Yeah. Is that a breath of yes. God's nostrils? Yes. Is that God's spirit with a capital S? Yes. 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 And so I'm, I'm a yes man at this point. <laughs> All of them go okay. together. So to try to say the human spirit and the divine spirit, and we have to decide which is which, is just inappropriate. So I will either, I think in 40 days with the Holy Spirit, I capitalized every reference to spirit. In fresh air, I left every reference to spirit uncapitalized, but I refused, if I can help it, to say, is it sometimes divine and sometimes human? We, right. can't, we can't divide. The Hebrew doesn't let us divide, but I think in human life we can't divide. Mm -hmm. Right. So <laughs> having said that then, we should probably acknowledge that part of the case being made here is that the spirit is not particular only to a few people. Uh, whether in the Hebrew scriptures being just say the prophets uh, who are particularly inspired or maybe the anointed kings or some such thing. Um, but instead, uh, this is the spirit of life huh? mm -hmm. and it is the Spirit of God in all living beings. You know this better than I because you've read your Ponenberg and your Rahner and your Moltmann. Mm -hmm. Inside Much, baseball here. Yeah, but I mean, you've read yes. these major right, right. theologians. Mm -hmm. I dabble in these major theologians, but they are very clear that the spirit of creation and the spirit of salvation are not distinctive. Right. Now for evangelical Christianity, and I'm Mm -hmm. still very much a part of mm -hmm. evangelical Christianity, the, the experience of conversion or that, that, mm -hmm. that moment of receiving the Spirit yes. um, is a great moment. Yes. But what that, what, what that then gets translated into, there was no Spirit before that experience. Yes. There was right. no Spirit in the world or in my life. I don't agree. I'm a Methodist. Yes. And so I believe in prevenient grace that the Spirit goes before yes. and leads me into a, a deeper reception of the Spirit, which I then call salvation and sanctification. Right. So I think there was a, there's a great Pentecostal theologian, Frank Machia, uh -huh. and he actually responded to one of my books and he said, we are in the revivalist tradition. He's a Pentecostal. He said, but does that mean we need to deny the spirit to everything else. Does there have to be darkness before there was ever oh, light? Wonderful. And so this I gets back to yeah. your whole dichotomy thing again. I, it, it, it does. We're trying. We're, we're trying to find a way to see the the spectrum rather than the either or. Right. Absolutely. Well said. All right. So let's take a break, and when we come back, okay. I, I'd love for us to trace the times when the spirit keeps turning up in 
key stories of, of our biblical tradition and then talk a little bit more about the, the, the ways that we tend to domesticate the Spirit in our okay. lives. Thanks for being with me, Jack. Thanks, George. Thank you for continuing to tune in to Good God. This program is made possible by the contributions of friends of the program, and we are delighted that they continue to support it so generously so that we don't have to ask for additional support every episode. I'm sure you're glad about that too. If you'd like to know where else you can tune in to find Good God, whether in a video format or audio, or even to get a transcript of the program, go to www goodgodproject.com. That's our website, and it's the best place to go to receive an archive of all the previous episodes and to get a new one each week if you'd like. Thanks again for your support. We're back with Jack Levison talking about the Holy Spirit and having so much fun doing it because <laughs> really when you talk about the Spirit, it is the spirit of life, the mm -hmm. spirit of joy, the spirit of peace, and you should have some fun talking about the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Uh, now, I, I, we can also, as the Bible says, grieve the Spirit, and the Spirit can call us to account, and all those sorts of things. But I, I, I think once you begin to read the Bible through uh, this lens and, and sort of spot this continuing presence of the Spirit in the Bible, some of the big stories actually take on some amazing new dimensions, don't they? Mm -hmm. uh, because, so you mentioned, for instance, the Exodus story mm -hmm. and God breathing and, uh, and, and, and the waters parting and uh, from God's nostrils, the wind of God, the breath of God, the Spirit of God creates dry land. Wow, where did I hear that before, right? And of course, in biblical tradition, the Exodus happens first, but then when they go back to write the story of creation, mm -hmm. and God separated exactly. the waters and dry land appeared. Mm -hmm. And this again is the work of the Spirit hovering over the, the, the deep. Mm -hmm. And then when we go all the way to Jesus, exactly, yeah. and Gabriel shows up and talks to Mary and says, what? The Spirit of God will overshadow you, yeah. hover upon you, exactly. and and Matthew, Ma forgive me for interrupting, but oh, don't forgive me. In. We're New Yorkers. And we interrupt. We're New Yorkers. We, we do. And we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's so all about interrupting. Um, Matthew describes the birth of Jesus. It's always translated, and the birth of Jesus, yeah. it, the word's Genesis. Of course. It takes you right, right. back to Genesis Jeez. 1. Genesis, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. the birth of Jesus is a Genesis. Then you go to the baptism. Yep. Baptism, what happens? The Spirit comes down, hovers. I mean, you've got creation, 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 creation. God's creating and it's, with the Spirit. And, 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 okay, I'm and done. then Thanks. we start talking about new creation. And so it's Absolutely. not just Genesis, but it's also oh. the new heaven and the new earth. Right, it's all, it, it, this is, the Spirit is the Spirit of the renewal of life. Absolutely. Right? Over and over and over again. Over and again. Which, which really leads us, doesn't it, into this, this sense of how we can depend upon God to be on the side of life and to be for us. Huh? And isn't that what we should be thinking about when we think about the role of the Holy Spirit? I... I'm going to dichotomize now those two things. I think we do need to think about God and the Spirit as the Spirit of life. I worry about the for us 
because mm -hmm. that can sometimes see, seem partisan. So it could ah. mean for us as opposed to for them. Oh. But what you mean is for life, you for our me. life, for exactly. our for our uh, for the flourishing, sake of the world. for the, for sake the of flourishing, exactly yeah. right, exactly right. I mean, right. The, the first reference is to the spirit hovering over the, the murky abyss of the deep and yes. God's about ready to make life. Yes. And in the last reference, the spirit and the bride say come in yes. the book of Revelation. Right. I mean, this is a beautiful set of bookends yes. that are all about life. In fact, the spirit and the bride say come and then come take the waters of life without price. Yes. And this beautiful image of flourishing and giftedness yes. and openness that you're talking about. Right. Yeah, God is for life. God is for renewal. Okay, which also leads us to this, and that is that we do have a tendency to think of the Holy Spirit as being, as Christians, something that is purely interior in the individual's yeah. life. And in American Christianity in particular, we have a problem mm -hmm. of uh, people who think that genuine Christianity is about only a personal experience of God through Jesus Christ right. that the Holy Spirit enables. That's right. right. And when we begin to talk about uh, a more just society, <laughs> right, yeah. where there are shackles on people's sense of opportunity, where people's created dignity is in some sense denied to them, and so the church and people of faith uh, begin to speak about the need for society to change mm -hmm. uh, in order for people to be liberated and to experience the full flourishing that God intends. People say, oh, well, that's not really the work of the Holy Spirit. Now you're talking about politics justice. or justice or some such thing, right? And once again, it's in our minds, it's either or. Why not both end? Let's go to Pentecost, Okay. right? The miracle of Pentecost is not speaking in tongues, it's speaking in other tongues. Yes. Luke's very clear. Yes. And my Pentecostal scholar friends know this. And what happens? People from around the world who would mm -hmm. not normally talk to one another mm -hmm. can hear the praiseworthy acts of God. What's more social justice than that? Yes. Yeah, and then, of course, they're baptized, and then what they do is they share their possessions, and they share their food, and they share their prayers, and they share their teaching. Mm -hmm. And everybody around them is pleased with what's going on. Yes. So I don't know what's more others-centered and society-centered and church-centered, right. ecumenically speaking, yes. than Pentecost. Right. And yet, we've transformed it into this deeply individualized experience of the Holy Spirit. Why do you think that when we have examples in the New Testament over and over again, and certainly the prophets, the biblical prophets of the Hebrew uh, Bible, are always, when they are inspired by the Spirit, they're always calling for um, uh, the poor to be counted, for uh, there to be an uplift of uh, people uh, w where they have access to food and to uh, uh, harmony, and, uh, and, and th there is a, a yeah. call for justice, and yet uh, we are afraid that we've moved out of the realm of faith now yeah. into another realm. Why do you think we, we fear that so much? You know better than I. I mean, I mean, you 
you work with people all the time. I work with books and students. <laughs> <laughs> well, but not, not entirely, yeah. no. And I, I, shouldn't play, I shouldn't even play that card just for fun. Um, it's frightening to think about economics this and is giving up. It's frightening to think about other people yes. who look different and smell different. Right. It's just all very frightening. So what do we do? We interiorize the spirit. And, right. and I was... I was sitting next to a Pentecostal last night in class. We celebrated Purim together at the oh, end really of the day. Good. It was a lovely class. Yeah. And she's a Pentecostal. And, and, and she said, um, we need to have discernment politically. It's not enough that we have the experience internally. Yes. We need to have discernment economically, socially, politically. Right. And I, I just think that's much harder. I, I mean, face it. Mm -hmm. I, I've probably spoken in tongues once or twice in my life. I probably have. It's once my or twice more than me. I have. So. Right. Yeah. It's most, once or twice right. more than most. And if it is, it was a little glimpse. Right. It felt great. Yeah. It was cathartic. Mm -hmm. It was freeing. Mm -hmm. um, the problem is that's very little of, of, of what there is about the Spirit, yes. certainly in Scripture, and I'm a Scripture guy. Right. The rest of it has to do with much broader things like yes. economics right. and making the church a just society so that the society can be a just society. Good. So, George, I just think it's mm -hmm. frightening. It's much easier to have an internalized spirit, uh, spiritual experience that's cathartic, mm -hmm. much harder to translate. And I'll speak personally, it's much harder to translate into my wallet. Well, of course, there's, there's that. So I think this is one of the things that frightens us, that if the Spirit really gets a hold of those of us who are people of, um, uh, of resources, uh, where we, you know, we have more than we need, uh, then the Spirit might actually call us to give them up for the sake of those who don't have as much need. And I think, yes, the answer is yes, and there's reason for us to be a bit fearful about that yep. because that's the trajectory of the Spirit, is that not that everyone has exactly the same amount in some sense, but that everyone gets to share fully the gifts that they have to bring and isn't denied a place at the table. So. And unfortunately, we think it's a limited pie. Yes. We right. think there's a limited pie. We don't realize, you know, Philo, the Jewish philosopher in the mm -hmm. first century, talked about, I think, um, I think he talked about the spirit in this respect, like fire. Yes. He said, you know, you don't lose flame by creating more flames. Nice. Right. But we think we do somehow. Right. Right. We think if I, if, I, if I share more, if I give more, if I'm more generous, somehow I'll have less. Yes. Which, of course, we know as Christians isn't true, but in practice it's really hard to make Well, it okay, which leads me to the ways that we do have a tendency to try to control the spirit, yeah. right? That is to say, so, and, and this is true in some Christian uh, traditions, no, in all Christian traditions, whether you domesticate the Spirit into uh, the Mass, say, to the sacraments, or into the clergy, uh, who only have the God forbid. Yes, I know, right. Uh, I know, God yes. forbid. I have the spirit, therefore I get to decide, yes. right? And I had a friend, Pentecostal friend, you say the one with the microphone is the one with the spirit. Exactly, right. And, uh, and sometimes we domesticate the spirit into the text, into yeah. the words. So uh, Paul talks about how we, you know, it's, it's not the literal word, but it's the spirit uh, mm -hmm. that, that has prominence and the, the, the Lord is the spirit, That's right. uh, not the, the text. That's right. and, and so this we, fundamentalism 
into doctrine, say, for instance, and mm -hmm. these sorts of things. So, oh my goodness, we, we just keep doing this, Jack, don't we? And this, but the spirit is the real subject, not the object of, of, of our lives, which is to say, maybe we need to learn to open ourselves to what the spirit wants to do in and mm -hmm. through us and in the world rather than trying to control. Yes. 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 Um, yeah. It's a little hard though when you say that, I think, well, again, I do this too. Right. So like, you know, I don't, uh, I, 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 I've become increasingly frustrated, let's say, with some Pentecostals mm -hmm. who in today's political era mm -hmm. are deeply experiencing the spirit on this internal level, I yes. suppose. And yet, in my opinion, um, making misjudgments politically. Okay. So, but I do the same. And so right. it's very difficult to criticize other people for it. I think we are just naturally hoping for a, a little experience that we can have, mm -hmm. and that's enough. Mm -hmm. And you know, if I can get it at baptism, great. If I can mm -hmm. get it in the word, great. So it is difficult though to know how to expand beyond my experience to others. And yet the spirit and experience is something we don't want to deny because the spirit is the spirit of comfort as well. And I think, um, again, some in the more uh, mainline Protestant tradition and in the social work uh, of the Catholic Church tradition, we have a tendency to you know, push it all into the world and into uh, justice matters. Mm -hmm. But the spirit is also that which holds us up when we're falling. Mm -hmm. The spirit is also that uh, presence of God that knits us back together when we're broken, mm -hmm. uh, that um, reconciles us when we're divided brothers and sisters from each other. And so this, this is an, an overarching theology of the work of the spirit that we're talking about, isn't it? You think about you know, two texts, Luke 4, which is Jesus' initial sermon in the synagogue. Yes. And he's bringing, he said, the Spirit has anointed me. He's using the words from Isaiah. The Spirit has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, mm -hmm. sight to the blind. Yes. You know, healing. Right. Economic, social, physical, mm -hmm. healing. Yes. And they're all together. Right. They're not separate. Right. We know this. We know right. that I'm talking with Jeremy, my son, yes. about healthcare, and he's 23, and he's mm -hmm. freelance photographer, and mm -hmm. he's thinking ahead till he's 26, and what will he do about healthcare? His health depends upon economics. Yes. Economics determine health, not entirely, but partly. So yes. Jesus' vision in the synagogue at Nazareth, I think, is a wonderfully holistic vision. Mm -hmm. You even think then about Pentecost. Mm -hmm. Spirit comes down, they speak in other tongues, people from mm -hmm. all around the Mediterranean can mm -hmm. understand, and what does Peter quote? Slave women, slave men. Yes. They'll prophesy. They'll prophesy. Old too. men will have visions. Yes. Those on the margins. Yes. They're in. They're brought in. They're brought in. Yes. So you can't divide personal spirituality from corporate spirituality. They really do belong together, whether at Jesus' sermon or Pentecost. Well, or in the Hebrew Bible, and all the way back to creation and forward to new creation. All the way back, Jack, all the way up. Your work is stimulating and helpful Good. to the church and to all of us. I know those who have listened and watched this program are grateful for it. Thanks. And we look forward to what's next, uh, beyond the boundless God <laughs> to the 
unconventional God, unconventional God, the Holy Spirit according to Jesus. Terrific. Thanks for being on the program. Thanks, George. Good God is created by Dr. George Mason, produced and directed by Jim White. Social media coordination by Cameron Vickery. Good God, Conversations with George Mason is the podcast devoted to bringing you ideas about God and faith and the common good. All material copyright 2020 by Faith Commons.